Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Whole Truth. We have our first financial professional on the pod today. Oh, good job. Yes, You're learning. I'm, I'm learning. I think that's what we're supposed to call everyone now. Like FA is a- Don't say the other. It's a bad it's word. It's a bad word. Yeah, we're really excited to have Mark Fujiwara from Baird on. He's doing some really unique things around digital marketing, which is how he got on our radar. We cover that plus a lot more. We need to figure out how to navigate at each firm, obviously, but we plan to have a lot of financial professionals on. We are the facilitators, but this show is about you and our community. And any time we have a financial professional on, what we're looking to do is pull out insights, things we think will be valuable to you all. And get excited because in this episode, we're getting into the mailbag. The interaction from all of you in the community has been absolutely awesome so far. So keep the questions, keep the interaction coming our way. That's why this show exists. And just as a show note, we're skipping Costanza Corner today. Don't be too upset. And a few other points. To learn more about us and listen to past episodes, visit touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. We're really starting to get in the flow of releasing new episodes, which you can expect every other Tuesday. And as always, you can reach out to us directly at the whole truth at touchstonefunds.com for any reason, including getting added to our distribution list. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into it. The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. So we're going to get into the mailbag today, which I'm really excited about. But I wanted to start, Kurt, uh, with a story that just happened to me over the last couple of days. Uh, I got a call from one of our audience members, financial professional that's in Walnut Creek, California. She had listened to a variety of our episodes, the client service series, some of our others. And, you know, it's it spurred her to think about a lot of different things in her own business. And she wanted to share those. And she, she called and I talked to her for a really, really long period of time. Nice. The second part is one of the mailbag questions today I got submitted from one of our other audience members. And the conversation that I had, she had touched on a topic that directly related to that mailbag question. So I got to connect the two of them together to talk about the topic that this other financial professional oh, really? would address. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I stopped and I, you know, again, we're, we're early on in this, in this you know, this show on this podcast game. And I just thought to myself, wow, this is really what it's all about. That was the vision, right? That was the vision, right? You've got, we're, we're addressing some topic that spurs this, you know, discussion and thinking and all that and engagement from our audience. We get better content that, that we can report back to the community and we're connecting you guys with each other. I just thought that that was just an incredible, incredible outcome of this show that we expect. It's a, it's a beautiful yeah. proof statement for what we've talked about for months and months and months now for what we wanted yeah. this to be. So that's, that's, that's incredible. Let's read the question about what he submitted. This is my friend Keenan up in Eureka, California, beautiful area of the country, actually. And he says, how do you determine if you should add staff to your team? And I get this all yeah. the time. Um, it's particularly the, question the case. Of scale. Yeah. In the Bay area, people are always like, I don't have enough support staff. Should I pay out of my pocket? How do I think about that? So Kurt, I'll take I'll let you take the first crack on how you think about this. You know, what are your metrics? What are your thought process on whether you should add people to your team? What we talk a lot about is, you know, you can grow by getting more efficient or you can grow by adding numbers. So 
I think because added personnel is a fixed expense for a significant period of time, uh, knowing what the roles and responsibilities of that person, what you actually want them to do, and quantifying the value of that in the practice is really important. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. You probably have a better opinion of like if there's a finite number, but I just think you want to do so much work on the beforehand to make sure you know the type of person you're looking for and what that what that role is worth in the practice. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the right person is you know if you're gonna the right person is everything. But I'll tell you, I, I here let me share with you what I observe. What I observe is people are very very hesitant to add cost to the business, and um, rightly so. I think it's very short-sighted in a lot of cases because if you were to take, and this is again, coming from a conversation I just recently had, if you were to take an activity log, so you look at what you do all day long as a financial professional, you could fill it with all kinds of stuff. You know, it's really easy to, to stay busy, but are you doing the right activities? So you could spend all day going through your emails, responding to emails, doing that. You could spend all day being on the phone, trying to schedule different appointments with clients, busy work, operational work, et cetera, et cetera. The question is, if you offloaded that and only focused on the stuff that you are uniquely qualified to do, think about how much that would actually unlock it. And if you could think about it in that regard... Yeah, it's scary. You got to grow the business. But you know what? Think about if you're dedicating so much of your time more towards the activities that really matter, how much more business you could be generating. And it's not just cold calling, right? It's like I can spend more time with my best clients and providing a, a, a better experience. Like, where do you think referrals come from? They come from that client experience. So I didn't give you any tangible uh, answers, Kirk, because I'll talk about that in a second. But I will, I will tell you, I think people really think about it the wrong way. And this is, again, back to my conversation with Elizabeth, who was talking me through how she thought about it. She made the investment in support staff where she almost had to pay her entire earnings to do it. But she said, listen, I'm not going to grow saw the, the value. business. I'm not going to grow the business if I'm going to sit here spending 20 minutes going back and forth with a client about when's the right time to get together. I mean, think about how how time sure. to schedule things. Yeah. So anyways, you could certainly look at it by, you know, this number of households um, should get this number of support staff. But I would definitely think about it from an activity log and I'd be less held up by the expenses and more think about what, what is your time worth? You know, and think about it that way. And I'll double down on an, on an analogy that we've used before uh, regarding this, uh, which really does kind of invert the way a lot of practices are run. But you think about your interaction with the dentist, right? Do you, are you doing the scheduling? Are you doing the prep work? Are you doing the rescheduling the appointment on the back end? No, you see the right. dentist for those five minutes when they come in and zzz, they're in, they're out because their time is really valuable. Not to say that others isn't, but if you're running a business, when you think about, you said it, those skills that you are uniquely qualified to do, it makes sense. There's there's myriad examples of other businesses that are run that way. Yeah, and and you could put you can put a number on it, but but I think my general feedback to to you all is to is to don't be scared to go into your pocket to invest in a business where you could get yourself focused and doing on the right right activities. Anyways, let's let's move on. Let's go to question two. Okay, so this this question is from Christy here in Atlanta, um, and Christy actually works 
in the institutional consulting side. And it's some I've, I've battled with for a while, but she asked a while back, what, what designations are most applicable and fruitful for financial professionals today? And are there new ones that maybe people don't know as much about? You know, my comment to her, because this is a person that has her CFP and her SEMA. And so Steve, you have your CFA, I have the SEMA, and I think they're both they're both worthwhile efforts if, if you have the time and energy to, to put in, into those. The one that we suggested to her was the AIF. Have you heard of that one? No, what's that? The AIF is an accredited investment fiduciary. So as rules and regs continue to change and kind of go more towards the fiduciary standard, it's it's a designation that kind of stamps that saying, look, I, I treat my clients as a fiduciary. So especially in the institutional consulting world in which she lives, she has private clients as well that is coming up more and more. So that may not be applicable to, to everyone. Yeah. I mean, I'll start by saying, I don't really think designations in our channel really separate you in any way. I mean, CFP is the one that I think most people probably should try to pursue. You don't think that separates people? Even C- CFP, if people, folks that have Pro- CFP? To most end clients, maybe not. Uh, what really matters is do you have the knowledge uh, that that can produce a, dis- a differentiated experience and a more valuable experience. So what does the CFP do for you? It allows you to be to do more robust planning. That planning in itself is what separates you as an advisor, not the three letters CFP. Is that going to matter to some people? Yes. But to me, I would more think about what are the things that you can take that gives you the, a differentiated skill set? So I'll give you an example of one. There's something called certified divorce financial analyst, and there's a couple of other ones. If, if you as a financial advisor are going to want to specialize around things like separations in your practice, like I would look towards that. But the way I've always thought about designations is not, you know, what does it make me look like? on a page or to market myself, it's what is the skill that it gives me that, that uniquely qualify that separates me from, from lots of others. I think about this also in terms of niches. I've seen people started to get like, you know, ESG type certifications and impact yeah. certifications. Like just think about what it is your business is trying to do and pursue the best knowledge you can for that. And if that comes with a designation, that's fantastic. Okay. This is a tough one. I'm going to throw at you, Kurt, cause I've oh. thought about this and Okay. So this is from Doug, Doug F. out in Oakland. Question on client standards. If we commit to live by our standards of integrity, competence, and empathy, then what are our minimum best standards we demand from our clients? So he lists a bunch of different things. But here's the question. The question is, should you demand that the clients you have hit certain standards? Wow. Wow. You want me to list? You want me to list some of the things that he was thinking about in terms of client standards? Sure. I, I'm yeah. just. I'm curious how. First of all, how he articulates this, and then how you actually enforce something like this. So the first one he put in was an example, nice and rational. So we those are two things that their clients need to be. Should there be a, a dollar minimum, and what is it? Should they uh, agree to adopt minimum digital engagements? Should we expect referrals? Should, do we insist that they give us all their liabilities? So it's things like that. The question is, should you create standards for your clients? My thinking is just that I, I, I find it walking on eggshells to tell a financial professional who's had a client for decades that suddenly we're going to implement something new. So what I would say is I, th- I think legacy clients 
might be a different conversation than new clients. New clients, if you want to be selective with who you take on, I think this is absolutely appropriate. But most advisors are not just starting with new clients. They have a significant number of legacy clients as well. And that's those are tougher seas to navigate. Well, agreed. But let, let me let me throw this out to you. So let's say I'll give you a specific example. Let's say we are a full planning practice and, you know, that's a big part of our value proposition. And we want to work with clients that take our advice. We want to work with clients that are good to our, you know, to our support staff and that work with us and all those things. Right. You get a, a client that comes to you and let's say he has a lot of money. But he's not interested in planning or doing what your practice brings to the table. Or being the revenue, nice to you. <laughs> yeah. Generally, we've all come across like not a good person, right? All those things. The question is, do you accept them in your business? Now, my immediate, my immediate thought about this is, which popped in my head was, well, it depends on how much money we're talking about here. You know, mm-hmm. is this like an AA plus client? I'm not going to necessarily, I'm just sharing to be honest, if it was me and there was like, it was one of those things where it would be a top 10 client, I probably would take that client outside of that. Um, I think having standards for, for what you accept, I think is unequivocally the right way to go. Well, and, and all, all that kind of feeds into the ecosystem of a, of a practice that's thought through what those values and what that mission is makes it easier to articulate that, which I think is going to draw those type of people to the practice. So what I mean is if you put in that kind of effort on the front end, you have a vision of what you want the practice to look like, you're more likely to identify those people down the road. And those kind of decisions are probably much easier because you're not going to attract the jerks that don't fit into your criteria. Yeah. And even though I gave you an out by saying, you know, top clients you could take. I, I I bet you wouldn't look back or regret it if you really did have those client standards and stuck by them. I, I don't I, think you'd regret it, especially nowadays with all the complexity of our business. Yeah. Um, I don't think you'd regret it. But you're right. A lot of people would have a number that they would entertain people outside of that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much, everyone, for sending in questions. And we'll be sure to get to all of them over time. So keep the questions coming. And if you have different answers, send them on in. We'll talk about those on the show as well. Coming up next is our conversation with Mark Fujiwara. This is The Whole Truth. Stick with us. Well, welcome, everyone. We're here with Mark Fujiwara, which apparently we're supposed to call you the Fuji. Is that is that correct? Bring it back, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, Mark, thanks very much for joining us. We're really excited to have you on. You know, this podcast, as we keep sharing with our audience, is is less of a podcast and more of a community. And so we want to have we're just kind of leading the conversation and bringing people on that we think, um, you know, can bring some interesting insights to the table. And, you know, really where I got to, to see you was in the social media world. I'm connected with lots of folks on LinkedIn. Most of what comes across my feed is very generic in nature and not impactful. And what I saw you doing was different. So we're going to ask you about that. But also when we, you and I got to talking, you're doing some podcasting and I want to ask you about that. So for those reasons, we're really excited uh, to have you on. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Super excited. Yeah, no, it's great to have you here. And so why don't we just jump right into it and tell us a little bit about yourself. My business card says financial advisor. There's so much 
financial advisor director uh, at Baird, but there's so much more. <laughs> if, you, if you dig deep down on, on that, FINRA requires us to put that on, on our cards, but that's pretty much what I've been, been doing my whole career. I think where I, I, I truly found it was when um, I was uh, intern over at Merrill Lynch. That was when I was 20, so it's at 31 years ago. Just completely loved all aspects of this business. At one point, I thought investment banking was going to be it just, it just sounded cooler, but then I discovered what exactly that was and, and the fact that you actually don't deal with a lot of people. And uh, being a financial advisor is, is purely you know, where I focused on. And then, you know, then portfolio manage, management at the beginning of my career. So, so Mark, uh, I Googled you, did some hard-hitting research on you to, to figure out what your, your story is. And um, I came across a website slash blog that you had online from a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so give me some background on those on this website. All right. So this is actually yeah. So so this is when I met my my wife. Oh, back up to so I have uh, just a little bit of you know where I am and stuff. Uh, I have two two kids from a previous marriage they're uh soon to be 17 and 15 girl is he 17 Parker's gonna be 15 also have a little girl who's gonna be one in a matter of uh just about nine days there you go my wife and Amy and I have been married for almost two years so so back up to the, the to the website so before I met Amy I was kind of in a funk I talked to one of my coaches I'm one of those you know, weirdos who always has two or three or sometimes six different coaches. So, so my prime coach, I, I said, you know, Hey Val, you know, things, things actually weren't going too well for me. I was newly divorced and just felt, you know, really overwhelmed and, and my business was pretty much flat. So we, we made this, I made a commitment to her and we, and I said, I'm, I'm going to go out of my comfort zone 100 times in, in 100 days. So you know, wow. I get this from a guy named uh, Ja Jung, who wrote the book Rejection Therapy, who, who I'm now really good friends with. But anyways, the point was, this is like, prepare yourself to go out of your comfort zone. It could be for anything, personal, you know, fitness and, uh, and, and dating also, and because and, I was single at the time. And, and also um, um, my business, because she was just like, look, you're just, you're, 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 you know, that, that true definition of insanity. So the, now the tweak was this. She had me go to a Starbucks and write down 200 ways I can get out of my comfort zone. So I did that and it didn't take me that long. So, so day one, I wake up and I, and I go and, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to jump in a lake. And it was, it was freezing cold at the time. So I jumped in the lake for 10 minutes and, and actually <laughs> thought I really was going to die. That was number one on the list. Yeah. So, so somewhere along the line, I think number shoot, 60 something, it was, so I was on dating apps at the time and I would, I would always have like, uh, uh 10 miles from my house and, and, and just dating people within a, in a, a two year, you know, so, so at the time it was six, 44 to 48 and that's it. And then I finally said, you know what, I'm going to date someone like much, much younger. Right. And, and so I, I put it down to 10 years younger and 100 miles. What the heck? And, and this woman pops up the next day and she's like, you know, the match of the day is it was on eHarmony and it was, it's Amy. And it was like, you're now wife. And I was like, okay, she's out of my league. She's 10 years younger. 
and she lives like 80 miles away from me. So, but what the heck, <laughs> right? So, so that was one. And then, so, so after um, Amy and I started dating, you know, she's the one that actually created this website for me. Um, I also got my, uh, the, one of the things was to speak in front of a group over a hundred, which I did. I used to like literally get sick before I spoke in front of groups. So I got rid of my public speaking fears. I went up in front of CG worldwide, 250, uh, top financial advisors did a 10 minute talk and won the whole thing. And I won $5,000 for her charity. So, you know, just a, just a happy ending. So that's a long story of how that website came about. And I'm one that doesn't like to finish things as you can see. And I can relate. I can relate to that. (laughs) That's pretty impressive. Jumping right into doing all those, those things that, that couldn't have been easy. Yeah. Well, and I I love the idea of just doing stuff outside your comfort zone. That that's been a, a feeling that has driven me my whole life, not just my career is just, you, you take that next step and it's almost always good on the other, on the other end. It's, it's almost like skydiving too. It's like, once you realize, you know, you jump out of the play and you survive it invigorates you. It was like, Oh, well, let's, how big can I make my circle and how wild can I, can I make this? I do have to, to make a point though. Uh, number 13 is host a party for 50 of my kids, best friends. Are you insane? That many kids yeah. at a party. So, so yeah, so I was like, it got real serious right there with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me, let me put this in context. So, so, so I was, you know, I, I really wanted to be the, 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 the single dad that, that just totally delivered. And I, I'd always ask my kids like, Hey, what, how can I make her, how can I make it happier? How can I make it happier? And then, so like they, they, you know, my son and daughter are completely different. My son's just like, Hey man, just provide me with, you know, Xbox tokens and I'm a happy guy. Uh, you know, let me have a friend over once in a while. Now, now Izzy was more like, you know, I want to have a bunch of people over. And so, um, I said, okay, well, I, so no one else, just me. And I said, okay, Izzy, if, if, if I have all these friends over, you have to make one deal to me. You have to make sure that the, you know, we have a, we have a rule in the house, which is, you know, when you, when you borrow something, you, you, you bring it back just the same or better. And I said, same philosophy here. Love that. Whatever you have to do. Um, I know if you need help on who, who, which friends that will be the ones that will stay around and clean it up and make it better. I'll give you a list of eight or nine. So she goes, cool. So I, I started listing off friends and I said, you know, they're, they're really good friends of yours. You have them stay. And if it's not the same or not better, then we're never going to do this again. So, um, in fact, which was cool, you know, I was very in tune with, with her friends and, you know, both of my kids' friends and, and I would pretty much know what each of them were all about. So she would come to me and say, how about this friend? How about this friend? I didn't realize it at the time until people started dropping their kids off and just saying what you just said right now, Kurt, which was, are you insane? Uh, and, 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 and if, 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 you know, the house goes up in flames. Here's my cell phone. And then, then they jump in the car and like screech off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, delivered, you know, the house got clean afterwards and, um, you know, just, uh, just another way to, to, uh, uh, connect with one of my kids. So, and all the friends. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. So, Back to the business side of things, what is what does your practice look like today? If you give us a current state of 
of, so, of what you do. Guys, it's yeah. really it's really changed actually. And I think one of the big things is I was at a major, major wirehouse before this, the biggest one actually out there. So what, what, what happened was um, I came over to Baird um, almost about two years ago. And it was one of those things where I started to see, you know, some of the things that, that you see, Steve, just in terms of the, the digital media stuff, the digital marketing stuff. Um, I, was a, I was a lot more free with all of that. And I also, I also was more free to utilize all the professionals um, in, in my network. You know, kind of like, like I refer to sometimes as like a family office structure. Right. And now compliance is like, oh, don't use that term. It's just, but it, it's such a, you know, it's such a, a wide variation of a term. So that's kind of what I run right now. So starting at Baird, I utilize the, the people within the, their, their structure. Like, uh, you know, Chris Dolan is an amazing, amazing tax person who pretty much can look at a return and say, okay, these are some of the things that you might want to do, you know, the coming year. You might want to do this type of retirement plan. Um, with, with business sale, it's crucial because he's the one that kind of lays the groundwork. There's probably about 11 uh, key individuals at Baird that I use, and all the rest are external. So, so the, 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 you know, if, if clients are like, oh, what exactly do you do? Well, pretty much I, if, if a client comes in and says, I want to go from A to B, and uh, I want to figure out a way to, to get these three things done, that's that's what I that's what I do now. I don't personally do every single one of those things. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and um, just actually, this whole process came about just because I started to realize that it's not a matter of just gathering a lot of research. It's a matter of who you talk to. So I've de- developed some amazing, amazing relationships with some some key people in our business. You know, a couple of hedge fund managers, a couple of money managers, just knowing who to talk to. Um, and gathering as much dirt on them so that they will talk to me anytime they, I call them on the phone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but so, so, but I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So start to realize that, that, that there's more important things than just managing the portfolio. Like in, in the situation of, of um, I always go back to this because it's a, it's a wonderful case study of uh, a client came into me one day. This is, this is a, uh, a while back and just said, Hey, I need to, I need you to help me out on this. I need you to, to, um, help me sell my business. And so he comes in and says, uh, accountant says that I have, I have it right on my board. Actually, <laughs> accountant says that I, I'm going to walk away with uh, just about, just about $11 million, you know, nice, nice amount of money there, you know, considering he, he took this from zero to, to that amount. I said, why 11 million? And he says, well, I'm going to have to pay about $4 million in taxes. And I said, okay. And I, and I said, well, why $15 million then? And he says, well, that's, that's what I, I, I got an offer for $15 million. Okay, those are baseline numbers, and I'm going to start taking that up. So um, there's probably about 12 key people we talked to in the process. Won't bore you with all the details, but we got the valuation up. We had an M&A advisor increase that valuation. Uh, we turned in and, 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 and instead of one buyer, now all of a sudden we had more interested parties, more private equity firms, another buyer in the industry. We had um, we cleaned up his, his um, insurance stuff as a whole, decreased the risk, all that good stuff. All of a sudden he had uh, a valuation that was much higher. And then we turned around and used some tax strategies, a combination of three different complex tax strategies and walked away for just a little over 31 million. Wow. 
That's, that's beautiful. after taxes. So we did that in about after taxes. After wow. taxes, eighteen months. So so I, I say that, and it's just like people are like, "Oh, do that for me," and it's like, "No, no." no. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's no problem. You know, because because he did not come in and say, "Hey, Mark, um, look, I, I really would like to beat the S and P by about one percent this year." And then yeah. increase my my risk by you know ten percent of the standard deviation. No, that that had you know that's Nothing that's doing do with it. that's like number fourteen on the list. So, anyways, address address whatever they need. Having both internal and external resources makes it kind of a fuller value proposition, right? Like we're not all keeping this in house and claiming that we have all the best ideas and the, the best subject matter experts here, but we can we can actually piecemeal together a tailor made process for you to go to that to me that's much more appealing than having it all either either or absolutely right and i think one of the things that that started to really hit home was was how how blessed i was to have these people you know literally i have their cell phones i can i can call them up um you know had had a couple guys help a client out with an esop plan and it, and they didn't they never ever received a dime the only people that receive any compensation of course is investment banking now this is something that's super super rare and, and I'm almost getting choked up saying this, but I have a, um, uh, uh, an investment banking group within Baird that is, is dealing with a um, sale right now. And it's a complicated one because we're taking, you know, multiple companies and, and putting into one. Uh, this group has done valuations, advising, and uh, has probably put in about $50,000 worth of work and have not got paid for it. Now they turn it around and, and, and they, they engage them as investment bankers, then they will make money. But there is an understanding that there are a couple other bankers out there, specifically the one that the tax person has. And I've had great lengths of, of, of the conversation. I said, you know, we might not, we as Baird, you guys will, might not get this deal. And the response has been this. It's just like the only objective is for us to make it easier for your client to sell, or three clients now, three into one, three clients to sell their businesses so that you can you can reap the rewards in terms of managing their assets. Everything else, that's that we, we play the numbers. In fact, there's someone else that, that could probably send you a lot of business if you went through them in terms of the bank, banking relationship. So if that happens, then we're okay with that too. Because we know you're going to keep bringing us deals. So we're willing to play the numbers. And we are not here to try to sell your clients on Baird Global Investment Banking. We are here to, to actually help your clients so that they can help you. Yeah, it's, it's doing the right type of activities. And, and over time, that tends to work regardless. And you don't have to worry about each and every one. Um, we get that with some of our value ads that we do. We have this thing called PAR, which is practice analysis, analysis and we'll... We'll do it for teams. They're like, well, how much are you getting paid? And we're like, nothing. We're doing this, you know, for the relationship. And, well, what about this? And we're like, don't worry about it. Let's just do this. Let's find some value. We're not worried about squeezing every, you know, investment dollar out of you. That's not why we're doing it. And that's it reminds me of that. You guys right here, I, I wanna I wanna say that that's a good point that you make. Because of course, I'm in the business where where I hear you know, your your uh competition, if you will, right? Yeah. And, and you hear like you hear the same thing. It gets muddled, you know, and, and I, I learn a lot from guys like you because it's like who right now is actually doing things to, to, to help help me and all the other advisors. 
It's who you guys are. And, and, and that will go a huge way, a long way. So just wanted to say that. No, I, I we appreciate that. It's always been striking to Kurt and I, like there's a lot of folks on our side of the industry and uh, there's some, there's some good folks, but it's pretty easy to differentiate. You know, it's not that hard. It's so much, you know, and that's, that's a, a piece of advice. I always try to give advisors on that side. Yeah, there's advisors out there, but just think about doing things a little bit differently, going after a different market, approaching it a little bit differently. What you do, some of the things you described about your network and things like that. And you can, you can be an entirely different, uh, you can bring an entirely different value proposition. So with that, Kurt, I think we want to transition probably into digit, into the digital marketing stuff, right? Well, yeah. So clearly that's something that all of us are interested in, right? We're, we're here talking about this. Um, and that's how you and, and Steve originally got acquainted. So let's, let's set up the opportunity. Why, why is digital engagement? Let's just speak broadly. Why is digital engagement for financial advisors important now and going forward? Well, I think, I think a lot of financial advisors get the digital um, marketing wrong because it's like, it's not, I think a lot of them will say, well, I'm, I want to put this thing on LinkedIn and then, um, and, and then people will, will, will knock on my door. I, I, I use it a little differently because what digital marketing is, and you have to use different platforms, I believe, is you're building critical mass. You're building critical mass. And I think what happens, and this is what I'm seeing right now, especially that they kind of put the full press on digital marketing, you know, at, at, you know, during this time, especially, is that you might not know who's looking at you on these different platforms. But I've started to see people, prospects, clients, professionals that I didn't even think even looked on LinkedIn are saying, oh, wow, that's, that's, uh, I just talked to one who never used to answer my calls. And then I texted him just a few days ago and he picked up the phone right away. And he says, hey, great stuff you're doing here. I love that article you put on here. I love this, this, this thing. And I love the fact that you're doing podcasts. And it's like, holy moly, I didn't even know that I even existed in your, your digital media world. Yeah. So, so uh, I think it's important though, because 10 years ago, they used to say, well, get a website. And, and so you have a, have a presence, right? Now everybody has a website. Now everybody has a LinkedIn profile, but now it's like, you, you've kind of have to raise the game and you're right, Steve, you said that you said he hit it right on the head. I have contacts on LinkedIn where literally at, at another firm, there was the same thing being said by 14 of my financial advisor friends, right? The same thing. And you look on their feed and it's just like this. This is my favorite though, which is that day that the market went down 10%, all 14 of them at 105 Pacific time, 405 Eastern, this thing goes out and says, the market is down 10%. That's the headline. It's like, great. It's kind of like you broke your leg. Now, why don't we watch it over and over again on how you broke your leg, right? <laughs> so tell us about the, the podcast. Okay. So, so it's, like, it's funny because I think I've been wanting to do a podcast. And, and Steve, you and I talked about this. It's like you, you have it in your head, right? And you're just like, yeah, one of those days, one, one day I'll do it. And, 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 and so I, I, um, um, I, I belong to this. I, I used to belong to a mastermind group. And they would would um, have get-togethers, and they would have people like um, Dave Asprey, you know, the, the, the bulletproof guy, 
very prominent people. Cameron Harrell was another guy. And so I was always thinking, man, that'd be really cool to get one of their friends on my podcast because I was too timid to, to re- really ask them. And, and, and so happens, I start developing relationships with these people. And I was like, yeah, one day I'm going to have a podcast. And so I think what happened was I have a coach that is just very, very hard, um, but good. Uh, a guy named uh, Nick Peterson. And Nick and I were, were, were chatting one day. And he's part of uh, Mastery Mode, and it's kind of a select uh, mastermind coaching program. But but one thing that that he mentioned was, so I started giving people. So I, you know, I have a guy in my 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 network here, and I said, here's a list of 25 people that I can have that can be 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 on your podcast. And so he's part of the same group, and he looks at me, he goes, holy moly, there's like a couple Olympic gold medalists. Uh, best-selling authors, um, just like best of the best people. Oh, you got that major physician on here. And so, so they, they asked me, they said, why the heck aren't you interviewing these people? And I said, yeah, you know, you know, you know how that goes. Um, so they just said, you know, you're, you're going to do it and you're going to do it and you're going to, you're going to reach out to these people and you got to have that fire, you know, ready, fire, not, what is it? <laughs> Don't even aim, just fire right off the bat. And that's what I did. I just like, and I, you know, one, one s- silly thing was, well, I don't have the music that, you know, the, the, the beginning music, <laughs> got to have the beginning music before I do anything, right? How many songs did we download side before we yeah, yeah. Oh, I, know, I paid a lot of money in intro music to get <laughs> oh copyrights in an insane like amount. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt's like, you bought another one? I'm like, yeah, I, I spent another one. The I, I first five were fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so I just started, you know, interviewing people. And, and the, the cool thing was, and what I discovered was, so the way that I, I've got like probably a dozen of these interviews and some of it me. So the plan here is it's going to be uh, interview and then I'm, I'm going to get on and just kind of do my spiel interview, you know, kind of stagger it. Um, like that. But the, the, the name of the podcast is, um, everyone wins podcast, everyone wins. And there's a book out by one of my other consultants who has helped me greatly with, with building a family office type of structure, Russ Allen Prince. I don't know if you guys have heard of that guy, but he's, he's kind of a guru in our business. And, um, he wrote a book called everyone wins. And the premise around that is, you know, helping others, right? Exactly what you guys are doing exactly what you guys are doing. Not saying, help me and then I'll help you. It's, I'm going to help you, but not necessarily just help you, but I'm going to help you get exactly what you want. And then you, and then what follows is 90% of the human beings out there will reciprocate and get us what we want. So, that's so it. that's the premise around it. And just getting all the best of the best people that I know within my network to get on there and explain what they are seeing, how they are becoming best of the best. And it gets down to, you know, T-R-E-A, no wait, T-A-C-H, teach. T is they treat their, their tribe like, like gold. E stands for everyone wins. Uh, A stands for adversity. The way they battle adversity is, is typically a make or break. C is for uh, that Anthony Robbins uh, uh, acronym, C-A-N-I, can I, uh, constant never ending improvement, even though the best of the best, they keep going. They keep becoming 
better and better. And uh, H is for health, mental, uh, spiritual, um, fitness, all kinds of health, and very, very much aware of that. So I try to, to, to address, you know, two or five of those with, with every single guest and, you know, what, what they've done in their life, what they've done in the career to, 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 to give examples of, of those five um, qualities of all successful people. So how's it going? Are you gaining traction? Are you, is, is your audience responding? Are you, are you getting good interaction with not just clients, but COIs or maybe some acquaintances? It's, what does that look like? So that's a, that's a good question because I think the before the podcast started, what I was doing, so, so day one of the lockdown, I started doing these daily, these two o'clock, again, by, by my good old coach, uh, we were, is at 1230, I talked to him and I said, I'm saying the same darn things to my clients, He's, clients and COIs. What are you saying? Uh, saying like, don't watch the news. This is the COVID-19 update. This is what's going on the market, but not like, oh, it's, you know, we're down 10%, but this is, you know, kind of like, kind of calming them down telling them like unbiased stuff about that stuff. And, and the last thing I always say, which is my favorite part, you know, during this time, you got to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, something to make themselves better, you know, whether it's health, energy, fitness, uh, mindset, whatever. So I started doing these dailies and, and I asked him, I said, when should I start? And he says, well, it's 1230. Now you're going to do them every day at two o'clock. So what hour and a half? So from that point on, it was just every day at two o'clock, every weekday at two o'clock, I started these. And, and the traction I got, which was what he predicted was like, you're going to come back to me on Friday and say, this is on a Monday and say, you absolutely, you're making me do this, this weird thing and I'm uncomfortable and no one's listening. And he was right. I think the first day I looked on my Zoom and there was four people and I knew for who those four people were, my wife my cousin and my assistant and myself. And so, <laughs> so then four got into eight to 14 to, you know, it started to spiral, but I didn't know exactly who was tuning in. So I go back to that where um, people will, you know, will get on the phone, um, COIs. I just talked to, talk to a COI yesterday and I had no idea he was watching this. He goes, so uh, uh, um, Headspace. And I'm like, yeah, what about it? He goes, Headspace is the meditation app. I said, cool. And he goes, you said that two, two and a half weeks ago and I've been doing it since that day. And thank you so much. I was like, I had no That's idea awesome. you were listening to that stuff. He goes, are you kidding me? He goes, I, I typically will, will, will move things around so I can listen to it at two o'clock. And you know, now I have it in, in going to be having it in the podcast form. So it's much easier for people to listen to that. But it just, like I said, I go back to the critical mask people start to, 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 to put two and two together. And what they want to know is, is this guy who he really says he is and put a human element in it. And all of a sudden they said, yeah, I, 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 I can jive with this guy. I like this guy. Or, um, I don't, you know, find them. Don't, you know, we're not going to work together anyways. But what the COIs are starting to do now is saying, well, I can describe Mark, but once you watch this podcast, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And even if that took longer for you to get that traction where people have jumped on for you, it sounds like it's been, you know, a, a pretty seamless process. But but just preparing to do that show, do you get better? It's a leading question, but do you get better just preparing just to do a show? Uh Steve, the first day I, I got I literally my stomach just tightened up. You know that the whole thing. 
And I'm like, what the heck? I've spoken in front of groups. I was so nervous. And the funny thing was it sucked because I was trying to do 30 minutes and then I had three points that I was making and I was at 20 minutes and I had 10 more minutes and I just started like rambling about, I don't know. I had not, I actually have not looked at that, you know, since I did that, but then it got, it got a little easier. My coach said, just simplify things. Don't make it 30 minutes. You know, you're talking about COVID-19, you know, you're talking about the markets and you know, you're talking about better, bettering yourself. You have every hack in the book in terms of bettering yourself. So you can think about that on the fly, but just write it down in the email that you send out. The markets, there's certain principles that you already always abide by. You go back to that or, or to bring up a conversation you've had with one of those hedge fund managers. And then COVID-19, it's, it's one of those things where you literally can go on and just say, okay, bring them something that is unbiased information. And by doing that, that's allowed me to like, you know, I used to like prepare for a while and now it's literally sometimes it's like, I, I, Oh, it's almost two o'clock. I should, should uh, start, start getting on this thing. So. so I should start getting together and it gets easier and easier. Yeah. But we brushed over what you're doing on social media. So can you in a little bit more detail, share what you're actually doing? We talked about how most of the industry is doing the same stuff and you're doing different things. What are those things? Okay. So, um, it, it kind of started on, on LinkedIn, you know, is, is, and this is before, um, uh, well, well before COVID-19 he's in our, he's in our social media department at Baird and we had a really in-depth talk and he just said, you know, it's all about consistency, man. You, you can't like, he says, I notice your profiles will like, you'll, you'll have like four posts on one day and then we don't hear from you. And he just says, and I said, wait, well, yeah, no, but some people like don't thumb up and, you know, hurts my feelings and <laughs> he said, get over it <laughs> and try to do something every single day. So, so typically what I do is I, I, I look for stories that, um, I, I, that kind of describe who I am. So, so I'll look at medium is a, is a great channel. That's, that's where a lot of writers go. A lot of great writers will write on medium and I'll go on medium and say, okay, very timely. We're going to put that on there and I'll type a little bit about them or I'll, I'll, you know, there's certain people that I'm connected with in LinkedIn. I always go back to Cameron Harold, double, double guy. And I'll, and I'll go to Cameron Harold, Dr. Carlin and Dr. Lang, another good people. And then I'll sometimes even do videos. Um, I should be doing them every day. At one point I was doing it every day on LinkedIn where I would say, Hey, this is a thought bomb for today. Uh, not sometimes a little investment related, sometimes completely not. Um, so I do that. And I also, um, you know, build up the followers, you know, or, or, or connections on LinkedIn, you know, doing the dailies, which is by zoom and um which is by facebook live so i literally will, will, will use two devices um the the zoom is for clients and the professionals within my network and their clients and prospects and friends and family and whatnot uh, another thing that i should be working on right now back there is i'm writing a book on business sale that 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 uh should should be coming out pretty soon as well so that's one that i've been delaying because i'm a perfectionist when it comes to writing so, so those are the different a avenues, um, in, you know, just in terms of the media stuff. And then the podcasting, of course, which I think for, for all of those put together, I think the podcasting is, is where the focus and the biggest opportunities is for, for not only myself, but the family office professionals that I deal with, because the plan there is to have every single one on them there. So let's say, say a client comes in and says, okay, I got to talk to these 11 people. 
Um, and I just want to know a little bit about them. Don't give me, you know, a whole book on them. Well, listen to this 30 minute podcast on them. That'll give you the best description of them right there. So two of the main things I, I've picked up. One is you have to get outside your comfort zone. <laughs> two is consistency. Like that coach was saying, you gotta, you gotta keep showing up. That's, and, and as another guy that sometimes has difficulty finishing things, that's, that's, that can be challenging, but so we, we have a couple of questions that we're going to want to ask to advisors that we have on the show. So if you will indulge us, we're going to throw a couple at you, get your take. So we talk a lot about practice management and practice related type ideas. And we have a previous series on client service. What's one of your favorite or unique client touch points, whether it's an event or just an idea, some sort of communique. What what what's one of your favorite ideas that you use to communicate with clients? Right when we went went into lockdown, this is actually super super timely, and it works extremely well. I don't do this with every client, and I do this with my top COIs and um, and 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 the business owner clients that I have because it's it's kind of a scary time for for especially business owners. And so what I've done um, is every few days, um, this, is, this is straight from John Rulin, by the way. Every few days, I send him something. Now, it's not a golf ball with Baird on it, um, but it's something that, that I think could help him. So, and it's also, it's also written by, like books are written by people in my family office or my wife. Um, so, so the first book that went out was Cameron Harrell's Double Double. And I put a bookmark in there and I said, read chapter 11 on what to do and how to grow in a recession in chapter 12, what, um, you know, specifically for entrepreneurs and small businesses. A nice time. Later, yeah. A few days later, Fantastic. best energy hack out there, athletic greens, right? That's the best energy hack I can, I, I, I use. Every one of them gets that. A few days later, a book, uh, JT McCormick, uh, who, who had the roughest childhood I know, uh, and, and now is, amazing you know it lives in a gated community i mean as successful as can be it's like you think adversity right now is tough look at this guy's adversity you know great great bio so there's i'm looking on my whiteboard right now there is about 11 to 12 touch points and and i'll tell you why this is special because when you go to your mailbox what's what's on the side of the mailbox amazon package Right. You see Amazon. I kind of know what that is, you know, more whatever sanitizer and stuff like that. But I never forget. I'll never forget someone. Someone um, just one of my friends actually just sent me a, a, a note in the mail and just said, hey, I love all the things that you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And I ignored the Amazon boxes and I went for that that handwritten note. Mm. And it was just you know, so special made my day. And I said, that's how these people feel. You know, we get their home off at home addresses and we send them things. Now it's not, you know, and, and, and it goes back to John Rulin's philosophy, which is not, I'm not going to buy him a Lamborghini and park it, park it outside, but it's something that's meaningful. And I'll tell you, it, sometimes I, I shift it a little, right? Sometimes I will shift it a little in terms of, whoa, that person doesn't really, that person maybe has already read this book. So I'm going to change it up a little bit. And then, and then, you know, one of the things that, that I'm finishing it off with is a engraved knife for them because they're cooking so much. So, you know, it's like, and it's not, 
you know, Baird Financial or Mark and his team. It's, it's the exclusively handcrafted, you know, for the Smith family. Cause and, they know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they totally know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what we've been doing. And then, you know, the other thing is getting them on my podcast, you know, more, more airtime for them. So, um, something every few days and it doesn't have to be that, that, you know, prevalent. I'm just doing this cause I'm just kind of nuts. It can be just one thing and something as, as, as cool as a little handwritten note, right. During these times and not saying, Hey, buy my fun or put more money so I can get more AUM. But it's more of just like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. You know, that conversation we had made my day and I'm, I'm appreciating our relationship even more. So just those personalized touches, whatever it is, I think are so important right now. It's fantastic. With all of the information that's out in our world, product specific, investment specific, firm specific, you know, one of the most challenging things I, I think for any of us is separating the signal from the noise. Tell us for you, wh- where do you get your information from? Practice related, investment related, news related. Okay. So practice related is, is, is more so, and, and this is something that I learned early on. So one is you go find someone that represents your future self, someone in the business. You know, for me, it was a guy back at um, Smith Barney, just, just amazing guy and amazing producer, humongous producer, ran his business the way I would, would want to run it. And I just, I called him up one day. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, when Kobe Bryant wanted to be Michael Jordan, it's like, what do you eat? Who do you talk to? Who's your coach? You know, what mastermind group are you in? And I just followed what he did. And so I think that the, you know, in terms of, oh, what coach or mastermind group, I think the one that I wrote, you know, that, that has helped me most, and I've been through a lot of them, is, is the one in our industry, which is CEG Worldwide. CEG Worldwide is, is um, doing everything remotely right now. But in terms of content, that's, that's kind of their, their best of the best, you know, for advisors that want to grow their practices, you know, accomplish exactly what they want. The other thing is in terms of, you know, stemming off of that is, is I think that the, the difference also is looking at outside of your business, outside of our business, I should say. So CG worldwide is great, but that that's all for financial advisors. So I will talk to coaches that have never dealt with a financial advisor before. Like Nick Peterson has never has, has dealt with other financial people, but never a financial advisor and just say, Hey, Hey, from an outsider's point of view, how does this look? So if you have a coach that deals with another industry, they all, and, and they're, and they're good and they've had results. That's who you want to lean on at this point. You know, guys like that, or, you know, you don't have to jo- join a hundred thousand dollar mastermind groups. There are coaches out there who've done great things for, for a lot of other industries, you know, so you have that financial side going and actually, you know, what you guys are, 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 are talking about, I think is, is a, is an amazing resource. You really don't have to join, you know, CEG or, or, or hire the coach when it comes to practice management within our business, you guys are hitting it right. And then, but then you, you, if you want to, to, to start doing amazing, you know, even more amazing stuff and, 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 and see some other ways that you can, can grow faster, then that's where that outside coach comes into play. So, and that's I've used awesome. guys like Ben Hardy, you know, uh, willpower doesn't work guy. Um, you know, uh, Dan Sullivan, um, 
you know, a bunch of others. So that, that's, that's fantastic. I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I've got so many takeaways. I was, I was writing the whole way. So let me see if I could sum this all up first. Um, everyone should check out the everyone wins podcast. I assume you can get that Spotify, the usual places, the same place you can get our podcast. But here are some of the things we talked about. So one, just starting off, getting out of your comfort zone. I admire you, Mark, for writing things down that are difficult to do and then going to do with them. That just kind of surprised me and kind of shook up my thinking. But I think it's a really good practice. Having a coach, you know, you mentioned that a few different times. Not everyone has that. And I think the point you made about having it outside the industry, some in the industry, if you don't have a coach, Get a coach because you can get some 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 really good ideas. Uh, your concept of network of resources, I think, was really fantastic. So having all these different ways to add value to your clients that may not be you, it may just be a way, and that's more ways we can we can add value. Um, social media, very. I wrote down easy to differentiate because everyone's doing the same thing. Um, but you got to be consistent, uh, creative, don't get yourself in trouble with compliance, but you can do it. You don't have to just be a lemming and do the same thing that everybody else is doing. And finally podcasts, you know, I'm not going to tell everyone on that's listening to this to start your own podcast, but we've certainly are getting a lot out of it. Mark's gotten a lot out of it. Don't be afraid of it. It's, it's a really cool way to, to connect with the audience. So with that, Mark, I just want to thank you again for coming on the whole truth. We really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. This is this is a lot of fun, guys. You can find The Whole Truth and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And for more episodes of The Whole Truth, go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. That's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. All one word. Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC. 